How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. Welcome to Lockdown Bucks. We are in the middle of position week. I don't know if that's what the name is, but that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to go position by position on the Bucks roster and break it down for you. As always, I'm Eric Name, and I'm once again joined by Frank Madden. Frank, how are you? I'm great. We just talked about the small forward position where we, of course, kind of talked about the power forward position as well. So... It's only natural that we transition seamlessly, or well, probably with a fair bit of seams, to uh, <laughs> to the four to the four spot. So yeah, we're going to talk fours here. Um, it's with this box roster. I wrote about it when we talked about uh, shooting guards, but with one, two, three, and four, it's kind of an awkward position for the Bucks because you have guys that can play multiple positions, but they don't really work together in cohesive lineups. And I know we spent a little bit of time talking about that uh, when we talked about small forwards. And I would say we're probably close to the bottom on that. So hopefully we can keep it a little bit more focused on just fours here. Um, but there are a lot of options for the Bucks at the four. Um, and just kind of an overview before we hop in, I guess. I'm thinking Giannis. I'm thinking Jabari. I'm obviously thinking the new addition, Mirza Toledovic. Also the new addition, Inthon Maker. And then I kind of take a look at the three centers that the Bucks have and think about the money that they're getting paid and wonder if there's some lineups that we can try to use them in uh, as a four. So I guess let's get it kicked off with last last podcast we talked about Jabari as a three and the fact that maybe he's more three than four, maybe he's not what you want defensively out of a four and you mentioned something about Giannis being what you'd want out of a four could you try to explain that a little bit Frank or maybe why you prefer him over Jabari at the four spot yeah sure I mean I I think uh the big thing for me when I look at Giannis I look at a guy who I think he is capable of defending one-on-one very well at times. I think when he's really engaged against, we've seen it, you know, dating back to his rookie year against Carmelo Anthony. Uh, I can think back to getting a, a couple games in Miami against Chris Bosh. Uh, he's always definitely seemed to get amped up for LeBron. And, you know, those are obviously all different types of players, all bring kind of different skill sets, all really talented, both physically and skill wise. And, He's able to, you know, use that combination of of length and athleticism and and quickness to to match up with very different guys. I mean, by the same token, Giannis is a guy who we saw match up against. I think it was Tyson Chandler. I think when the Suns were playing two big guys last year, he matched up against Carl Towns at times when the the Wolves were going big. At you know, in 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 the I remember the game when when they were in uh, Milwaukee, and so he definitely has the ability to go big and I'm sure we may talk about sort of the point center Giannis dream (laughs) when we get to the centers Um, but much more practically I think uh, the other upside of him playing as a four is where it kind of puts him on the court and I think 
first and foremost, you know, obviously in a pick and roll situation, I think he has pretty good instincts. He's a guy who can, you know, has the length and has enough quickness to uh, stick with small guys and, you know, uh, certainly using those long limbs in passing lanes to, uh, you know, attack and, and trap and things like that can, can be advantageous. Uh, but if he's just sort of off the ball, you know, on the weak side, if he's defending a four, uh, and there obviously are a lot of stretch fours, but if he's defending a four, he's probably going to be a little bit closer to the paint. And if he's a little bit closer to the paint, that means I'm getting more opportunities for Giannis to rotate and block shots, which he obviously is uniquely skilled at, you know, almost two blocks a game after the All-Star game last year. And he's also closer to the rim to grab defensive rebounds. And we all know what he tends to do when he grabs defensive rebounds and, and what that does for the Bucks offensively. So I, I think anything can do that brings Giannis closer to the paint and I think you know Giannis is one of those interesting guys where you know while he can get up and play good man defense um, I think he might be better as sort of like the guy roving and helping and doing stuff off the ball defensively maybe Uh, I'm thinking back you know like when a couple years ago uh, I think this was more in the the first um, Warriors Cavs finals and you know Draymond Green I remember just a lot of people talking about why why not put Draymond Green on LeBron James and I think part of the reason aside from the fact that Andrea Iguodala could do it maybe better was that Draymond is just so disruptive as a non-ball defender and as a you know pick and roll defender help defender etc etc and so there's almost more value in him being a free safety than being kind of a cornerback you know, to sort of use a, a football metaphor. Um, and I think Giannis kind of maybe be similar in that regard. So that's why I don't really mind necessarily Jabari um, getting, a, you know, even a really talented wing one-on-one because, you know, maybe Giannis is more valuable off the ball. Yeah, he's kind of your eraser. Like if a mistake is made, he's the one that you'd want on the backside to hop in and kind of erase that mistake. So, yeah, I, I would pretty much 100% agree. Also, I... I think he's a better rebounder than Jabari at this point. Um, so yep. so keeping him closer to the rim is obviously a good thing there. You're kind of using his strength. And, I mean, obviously you hope Jabari develops into a better rebounder. But at this point, it's kind of exciting to have Giannis by the rim snatch down a board and immediately push for a fast break because good luck trying to cover it. Uh, so, so that's... Uh, another benefit of keeping him by the rim but yeah i I 100 agree he seems more like the type that understands a team scheme um i just remember when the bucks defense under sweeney slash kid really started to hit its stride two januaries ago i just remember making a video of the bucks rotations in that game it was against the blazers and Giannis was everywhere and it at times it made literally no sense. And I do think he was probably making the wrong rotations, like way too aggressive rotations, way too aggressive doubles. But when he's doing that, he's an agent of chaos that he's just out there making things so difficult and so strange for an offense that you find yourself thinking, what am I going to do next? And, and, and I do think if he is coming from down below, uh, coming from close to the rim, he can kind of disrupt things a little bit better there. So yeah, it, it's, I'm not gonna say it's self-explanatory, but it does make a lot of sense when you think about the strengths of both 
Giannis and Jabari why one nylon calculus would say that Jabari Jabari was playing more three and Giannis was playing more four but also why as a team you would want Giannis covering more fours and Jabari cover or yeah you'd want uh, Giannis covering more fours and Jabari covering more threes so I think it makes a lot of sense there and also I just think from a strength standpoint uh, Jabari is plenty strong, but he doesn't have the insane length that Giannis has. And if some of those bigger bruising fours try to post up Giannis, well, he's got some length and he can make it difficult for those guys. Uh, also, his second jump ability and kind of the things that he does there, uh, it, it makes a lot more sense for him at the four uh, to be your guy defending there. So, um, yeah, I, I'm pretty much there with you on that one, Frank. And I, and I think the other thing, too, is that you know everything we just said about what Giannis does rebounding blocking shots pretty much the opposite uh of what Jabari does which you know when you see Jabari rotate to help on defense I mean his effort level in actually trying to contest shots is absolutely minimal you know he's a guy who looks like he's the star player just trying to avoid a stupid foul, right? And a lot of times it translates into looking like no effort type plays. And, you know, I'm not just going to take a, a dumb foul or, or whatever, but it's also like, well, you're just pretty much capitulating on a lot of situations where a guy like Giannis can potentially make a play to, to, to stop a basket. And, you know, and, and just as a pet peeve, I'll mention, I don't know if there's anybody as helpless on a, on a fast break defensively as, as Jabari. It's like, you know, just completely waving the white flag. And it, that stuff just kind of, I don't know, it just kind of makes me sad. Because <laughs> it's yeah. like, why, man? Like, just just try. It also um, makes me think of their upbringings, where in the international game, you think of a transition play, it's a foul. Like, 100%, yeah. like 10 out of 10 times, it's going to be a foul. And, and that foul was, the guy at half court if yeah, you can. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And that was something at the start of last season where, I can't. I think at my first ten recaps of the season, it was Giannis has to stop taking these international fouls. Giannis has to stop being so aggressive with these fouls. Giannis has to realize that he's the most, or if not the most important player on this team, one of the most important players on this team. Those are those fouls aren't for him to give, and he should be laying back and he should be less aggressive. And the exact opposite is Jabari, where it's like, can you just take one foul? Just one time, like just one time, come down with two, both hands on the guy's arm. Just take the fall, send him to the line, make him earn it at the line. And and I'm the, I'm the guy that hates those stupid cliches the most. I hate them. They're stupid. The, the idea that this is the way basketball is played. You got to earn it at the line. I hate that idea. But man, just once. Just once I want to see Jabari take that fall because he just doesn't seem willing to do it. And again, it's kind of funny to just think the two different ways those guys are brought up and the two different ways that they've been viewed their kind of entire entire careers. So um, sorry, I, I went on a tangent there, but it just made me think of it. Yeah, and and fouls are a very relevant topic because Giannis led the league in total fouls last year. And I think it got better uh, as the season went on, but I think early in the season especially, felt like he was getting a lot of early kind of quick two-foul situations. And I think, and and again, maybe maybe I'm just sort of trying to fit the narrative. I want to say that, you know, a lot of his frustrating fouls 
are where he gets like overly aggressive kind of when a guy is on the wing kind of facing him up and you know, I don't have any data suggesting whether that happened more against power forwards or small forwards, but intuitively it seemed like he'd be more susceptible to that against wings versus power forwards. So I agree. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, again, I, I think in terms of putting guys in areas of the court where they can be of more help or do less damage in Jabari's case, I just think, yeah, I think power forward for Giannis, small forward for Jabari, um, switch a lot you know i think so much of nba actions are are based off of screens that um you know kind of create uh, little cracks and and slow the defender down and if you can become you know that well-oiled machine that switches fluidly then you can blow up a lot of those types of actions so but but that also takes you know practice and coordination and understanding and um you know whether jabari has sort of the defensive iq to really be good at that that's that's obviously a question going forward in um, two in just two podcasts have we turned jabari from a power forward to a small forward uh, am i mistaken here because i'm pretty sure that's what we just did right well i, I feel like a, a recurring theme of our summer has been talking about the Bucks' three best players maybe being mostly small forwards. Um, and every time we say that, then I think, well, I think Giannis is more of a power forward. Um, but I think we've been pounding the drum on Giannis' small forward for a while. I've been, I mean, check the videotape, or in this case, our website. Uh, I've been putting Giannis at power forward in our little uh, preview grids for like the last I think like the last half of the season at one point I just sort of like smugly did that I was like you know what I think Giannis is playing more power forward (laughs) so I I I flipped Giannis and Jabari in the you know the starting the starting thing and of course at the time everyone was like it's like Giannis is point guard why are you putting you know but um (laughs) but anyway just another reason why Giannis is the most confusing guy from a positional standpoint because you know if you can't if you're not arguing about him being a point guard, then you're arguing about which forward position he plays. But um, anyway, so we talked about Giannis Jabari. Uh, the other key guy uh, who, based on what we're describing, maybe we would argue would be the guy to play the second most minutes at power forward if, Gian- if uh, Jabari is playing more small forward uh, is the new signing, Mirza Toledovic. Um, wh- I-, I mean, I- we've talked about Toledovic. I-, I was a fan of the signing. Uh, I thought it was maybe it'll be interesting to see maybe the best value the Bucks got. Um, I think certainly when you look at Ryan Anderson getting eighty million dollars, um, I think Toledovich can give you maybe eighty percent of Ryan Anderson for thirty million dollars over three years. Um, but what do you think Toledovich brings to that rotation? And um, you know, especially compared to your. Uh, your your favorite job that you'll be missing this year. Um, what do you think that will mean for the Bucks? You know, power forward slash big man rotation. It's funny that you mention his contract and the value and the deal. And it's fun. I think a lot of people have kind of gotten caught up on John Luer for some reason, and like the fact that maybe he's more power forwardy and he can do more things and rebound better and. It's like, do I really want John Luer on a four-year, $41 million contract as opposed to Mirza <laughs> Toledovic on his three for 30? No, never. In a million years would I ever want that. Um, and it, it's just it's interesting to kind of think about that and uh, I guess just the value of Mirza Toledovic. And it, it's going to be interesting to see how they use him. Uh, it 
it's kind of tough. Like we just talked about where Jabbar is more of a three. So then does Toledovich come in for Jabari or does he come in for Giannis or does he come in for Chris? Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see when he comes in. Cause we, I think we all assume that he's coming off the bench. He's not going to be starting. So who does he come in for? When does he come in? Uh, how does he come in? I guess would also be the uh, an, an operative question here. And how do you try to use him when you do bring him in? Um, because it, it it should hopefully give you some versatility there, where you can bring in a guy like MCW because you have such a prolific shooter in Mirza Toledovic. And in our earlier podcast this summer with Ian Levy, um, he mentioned how. Toledovich's three-point rate is just out of this world, um, which is awesome and, and should really help the Bucks. Um, it's just interesting how you try to use him and how many minutes you can get out of him. And I guess one thing, I, I've probably been harsher on him this summer than I've needed to be when I've said things like, well, the Bucks aren't really going to play any defense at the four. Like, they got Jabari and they got Mirza Toledovich. And, well, I guess best of luck to anyone trying to cover power forwards but i do think he's he is better than i think i have given him credit for and i know you've been quick to correct me oftentimes when when i've made that assessment so that's kind of exciting that he does appear to to be big enough to have enough strength that he might be able to bang around and bruise with some of the the bigger fours in the league and he's going to be able to handle himself in that situation which again is nice like he's going to be a four on offense and help stretch the floor, but he can also cover fours. Um, so this is one of those situations where you don't have to do some strange gymnastics to figure out how this lineup is going to work and who's going to cover who and how these cross matches are going to be able to make your defense work or your offense work. Like he, he can be a four through and through both offense and defense. And that allows you to do some, if you want to do some other, the, the other weird stuff, if we want to call it, whatever it is with uh, with Giannis, Jabari, Middleton, I mean, Delvadova, MCW. If you want to do some more of the weird stuff with those guys that can play multiple positions, Tlotovich kind of, I don't, I don't know if freedom's the right word, but he's got one position locked down no matter what. So go get creative with how you cover one, two, three, or how you put an offense together with your one, two, and three. Uh, so it, it's going it, to, he's kind of a, a steadying force um, that I don't know if it, he necessarily makes things dif- difficult in a way, but it, he seems like a steadying force that you know what you're going to get four on offense, four on defense, go get weird with the rest of the lineup. And those kind of things are nice for the Bucks. Toledovich, I think, is is interesting defensively because I would say he's not. Uh, I don't know if I want to use the word fungible again. I feel like I've used that word in multiple podcasts now, but it's a good word. I like um, it. But he, you know, he's he's got a guy who I think is going to be fine against a lot of players. Um, he's going to be, you know. He's not going to look great if he's got if he's going to have to chase guys around screens or be you know moving his feet on the perimeter. Um, but he's reasonably strong, and 
you know, a guy who I think is an underrated rebounder. I certainly underrated his rebounding. Um, he's certainly a much better rebounder than than uh, Jabari uh, defensively, and was even a better would even had a better defensive rebound rate than John Henson, which I've mentioned a couple times. Which you know just kind of makes me sad for John Henson. But um, but yeah, I think. You know, he can be credible defensively against a lot of different types of guys. He's probably going to get, you know, exposed against others. Um, and so that's, you know, kind of got to be you know, paid attention to. Um, but I think a guy who, uh, again, I think people are going to be surprised by just how good of a shooter he is. Uh, and I think, you know, we've talked about, I think a lot of people are going to expect him to be Ursan in terms of shooting volumes. Um, but you know, he's not a shoot when you're open type three point shooter. He's shoot when there's, you know, a whiff of, of openness and when still, you touch the ball. It's a, yeah, exactly. So I, I think that's going to be uh, a really interesting dynamic and it, it is interesting, you know, this kind of gets into the whole, you know, how do you, you know, how do you avoid the landmines in the bucks rotations? Um, and I think this is, you know, when we, when we think back to our conversation with Brett Coromenis and what Brett mentioned about trying to be really, rigid in rotations and you know i'm really curious to see if jason kidd puts jabari mirza and greg monroe on the court together early in the season uh and whether that is a conscious thing or whether it's just sort of like a oh this you know greg's got it going and uh Toledovich is hitting threes and i need to get jabari back in the game and Giannis has been out there a while or whatever and, you know do you get in a situation where then you put those guys together and you know can they s- swim or do they just you know immediately sink and and start to struggle and and et cetera, et cetera? so I, my hope is if if Toledovich can be you know decent right against against most yeah. types of guys and that that would obviously be really helpful um one other comment i i forgot to mention it before when we were talking about Giannis and jabari the other thing i find interesting is i would say that the if, if i'm an opposing coach i would try to put a wing defender uh you know i feel like the best defenders on Giannis are kind of like six seven six eight guys who are pretty strong and and more small forwardy small ball power forward types um i'm saying that completely anecdotally um but guys who are quick enough that you know Giannis can't just take like two steps and just sort of you know triple jump his way uh past them um but also not so small that uh you know he can kind of use his decides to bang on them a little bit and, and, you know, in some cases even post them up. Um, and I think that's interesting because if he's being guarded by small forwards and you have him defending the other team's power forward, you create sort of, you know, you mentioned the sort of agent of chaos defensively. And I think you create some chaos offensively as you transition. You know, if Giannis is defending power forwards, grabs a rebound, odds are that the poor power forward is going to be the closest guy to him. And, you know, oftentimes it's a guy he can just sort of sprint past with the ball, and then it's up to the small forward wherever he was on the court to go try to find Giannis, right? And if it's just a full out transition break, then it's kind of you know everybody just trying to <laughs> gang tackle him. Um, but I think that's sort of one of those subtle things that that 
also kind of can play to the Bucks' advantage. If you know you can cross match, um, obviously it works both ways. But if you can cross match, especially with the way the Bucks like to push off of Giannis and Jabari's rebounds, um, that that could kind of add a, a little bit of extra intrigue. Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't think there was a single game after the point Giannis experiment experience, whatever you want to call it. Once that started, I don't know if there's a single game where the opposing head coach didn't use the word cross matches five times in their pregame availability. Like it, it was the buzzword that, and obviously that makes sense because you don't want to give up too much of your strategy, blah, 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 whatever. Um, yeah. but it, 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 it was just the truth. Like it's very difficult to try to figure out how you cover Giannis if he grabs a rebound and goes in transition and it'll be interesting to see if Jabari can start to develop that as well. And it'll, as you were saying that, what I also thought about was, okay, if that small forward does try to make that move, how do the bucks leverage Mirza Toledovic to get him open threes in that situation? How does Mirza find the space where that small forward has left that he can now occupy and get a wide open three. And one thing I think the Bucks have done over the years, I when I wrote about threes, not this past season, but the year before, um, Middleton was great in transition. He was always finding those right. those pockets, those small little bubbles where he could get a three when they pushed in transition. Jared Dudley, fantastic at it. Even Jared Bayless this past season, very good at it. And if you can find a way to leverage some of those weird lineups you use and get Mirza Toledovic open threes in transition, uh, that's just a nightmare for, for any team that you're trying to play. So that'll be something to watch uh in this upcoming season something else to watch go ahead i I was gonna say i i I think that's one of the great sort of underrated things about transition basketball and playing at a fast pace that a lot of kind of casual fans don't think about as much which is you think oh is someone going to help you run people just think who can sprint up and down the court fast you know the fastest right and there's a lot more to it right having a guy you know having a big guy who doesn't run well but can outlet is valuable having guys who are not super athletic but can run to the three-point line and and hit shots that way those guys are really important having shooters is remarkably helpful to being good uh, transit in transition and scoring really early in shot clocks and (laughs) you know that's obviously been an area where the bucks have not had as many weapons but you know uh, don't be surprised if Mirza Toledovic makes a big impact there. Even a guy like Jason Terry, you know, yeah. can can feast situations like that. He played on a Rockets team that played really fast, and you know, you play fast, you you get open looks early in the shot clock, but you obviously need guys who can hit them. And I was gonna say the one thing, as you say that, why I laugh is I just think of the Golden State Warriors, and everyone thinks, oh man, you're great in transition if you have these guys that have length and can sprint and can dunk, but the Warriors get the all there so many threes i mean if there's ever a time where you're like how did steph curry get that open i'm gonna bet you at least 50 percent of the time it was because it was off a transition where the team was trying to figure out what we're gonna do here and all of a sudden they got lost as they were making rotations and wide open three same with clay thompson and, and 
being able to leverage that shooting in those situations is great. And yeah, like you said, veterans know those spots. Veterans know the way to position themselves. So there's going to be times where Mirza and Jason Terry are all of a sudden wide open for a three. And you think, how is that possible? But it's that transition scramble that teams have to try to figure out. And defensively, it's very tough to do. So if the Bucks can find the way to leverage that the right way, they, they, that could really become a weapon for them this upcoming year. Uh, down the road, we have dreams of Thonmaker making three-pointers in transition. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen this year. Uh, but Thonmaker, I think, is interesting in the context of the power forward discussion because as much as we might dream of him one day being a stretch five, um, with his body where it is now and, and in terms of his strength, uh, despite the fact that he's 7'1", has a 7'3 wingspan, a, I think 12'3 standing reach or, or leaping reach, 9'3 um, standing reach, uh, he is a guy that looks like he's probably better suited to being a power forward. Would you agree with that for now? Yeah, I think so. Um, it, it's tough to imagine him really being able to handle NBA fives at this point. Yeah, at least not you know, you're kind of starting, typical starting NBA 5. But again, I mean, you know, your average backup 5 guy, I mean, you're not worried about him posting up Thon so much as just being able to maybe push him around on the glass, um, get putbacks, things like that. Yeah, I mean, like if you think of like Aaron Baines or Cole Aldrich, like you're not thinking like, oh man, he's going to kill him on the block. You're thinking, oh, they're going to push him under and get a rebound and get an easy putback just because he's not strong enough to handle it yet. So do you think Thonmaker, and I don't know what the over-under should be. You're the over-under expert, Eric. But oh, um, do you do you feel like, and I don't know what the, the operative over-under would be, whether it's minutes played or games played or whatever it might be. But, uh, I mean, do you see Thonmaker, given where the Bucks' depth is, uh, do you see him getting 500 minutes this year, mostly a power forward, or 1,000 minutes, you know, Rashad Vaughn saw a thousand minutes last year and he was horrible. Okay. Um, but I, I but think, where, where do you kind of see him shaking out? So I'm, I'm looking at the nylon calculus numbers right now and I, J-O-B, the, does he take J-O-B's role? So let me lay this out for you. So Johnny O'Brien played 409 minutes at small forward. They say 423 minutes at power forward. So let's put that all together. So 800 minutes, so I'm going to give you two over-unders. Will he play 800 minutes this season? And will he play over 400 of those minutes at power forward? So over 50%. Sorry, say, say the second piece. To, so over 50%, 50% at, at power, power forward? forward? Yes. I will guess that's tough. Um, I mean, at first I was thinking of it as that's 10 minutes a game over 80 games, but I think he's a guy who's going to DNP. Uh, uh, you know, uh, a sizable chunk of, of games. Um, I think part of this depends on how likely you think a Greg Monroe trade is slash, you know, some kind of injury to the front line. Um, that's tough. How many did, uh, how many did Damian Inglis play last night, last season? Not that they're going to play the same position, but I'm just curious. Oh, Vaughn was a, Vaughn was a thousand. O'Brien was 800. And I'm trying to remember. Do I have? I'm trying like to. I usually, trying to get usually, the 15-16 roster up. I got the sixteen seventeen in front of me. Uh, Damian Inglis last season played a total of 
156 minutes in 20 <laughs> games. Uh, so he might not be the best one uh, to base no, that off no. of. No, French. I, I, I'm not worried about French toast, a French toast type effort situation from uh, from Thon Maker. Um, you know, I'm gonna. Okay, I'll, uh, I'll go. I'm take the on. I'm gonna take the under. Okay. I'm gonna take the under. I'll take the over. He's gonna play over 800 minutes this year. Okay. Um, I hope you're right. I mean, I think it'll be. I think it'd be a great sign for him and bust the box if if he does i mean other than like if it's just because of injuries but um but yeah i, I mean do you th- and do you think i mean what do you th- what do you expect from him i mean do you think he's a guy who can come in and actually like do you think he's a guy who's just sort of like well he's just gonna kind of suck and be learning or do you think he's gonna be you know one of those sort of useful defender types who maybe you know is still very rough around the edges on offense like what's kind of your what what are you kind of expecting if if you see him on the court for 800 plus minutes i mean i'm thinking there's going to be some foul trouble problems like i don't know if he necessarily is the most instinctual quite yet out on the floor um so I wouldn't be surprised. I don't. I'm not going to say a Larry Sanders esque uh, fouls per 36 because he he put up some some wild numbers. Um, so I don't know if he'll get quite that foul happy, but I, I do think there will be some fouls you see from Thon. Um, but I, I mean, he's an energy guy, and I, I, he might try to chuck some threes up. But if we we know much about Jason Kidd, it's that he'll probably try to limit that a little bit and i i see i actually think he'll i think thon will be allowed to shoot threes i'm gonna go crazy i'm gonna okay I, i'm gonna go i'm gonna say that that kid will will unshackle thon maker and uh and be okay with him shooting open threes and maybe i'll famously regret that but because i think with jabari and Giannis, the thinking was oh you want them putting the ball on the floor and being aggressive and with thon you don't want him putting the ball on the floor <laughs> Um, that's true that's very true. so so i think that that and and look you know teams are gonna have to make choices in summer league yeah it's fine if you you know guard on maker very closely because the team doesn't have anybody else you know that you're scared of especially on that a regular summer league team right but on a regular season roster you know thon maker is the fourth or fifth option um teams are are necessarily going to say like okay well you know we got to guard middleton and Giannis, and um if it comes down to them or thon maker we're going to guard those guys so i think he actually could get some some chance at decent looks he won't have to force shots like he did in summer league so i'm i'm not saying he's going to be good at threes i could see him being like a guy who actually just Shoots puts some up and maybe he hits like you know mid 20s or something like that and it'll be like okay interesting yeah i guess Um, i guess the big thing for me is it's tough to make comparisons with them but i i just kind of think back to Giannis's rookie season where you wouldn't see him all the time and then all of a sudden he'd play and it would be like a block a dunk and the other team would call a timeout like it would just be like a one minute two minute series of events where you're like oh man that was really cool that was really fun and and i think with thon's motor that's one thing that i think both of us have heard again and again from anyone that we talk to that he he really does try hard and he's going to give effort to have a a big that will do that uh, is quite exciting and and maybe there's some small lineups there where you can go Thon and Jabari and Toledovich, or um, you, you can 
play around with Thon a little bit there and and try to do some things where you encourage him to be a, a backside shot blocker or you encourage him to just really focus on running the floor and you're going to play with Giannis. So Giannis will take care of the, all the reboundings. You just try to box your guy out, keep him away from the basket. Giannis will take care of the rebound and then run the floor with Giannis. So I think there's some exciting things for him. And I mean, I've been saying it since draft night, like a, a seven, one guy that runs the floor really hard and tries to block some shots on the backside, but picks up some fouls and tries to dunk it every time he's in a pick and roll. Like that's, that's a, an exciting thing and a good thing for a team. So um, I'm going to go full on optimist. I'm going to go over 800. I think I probably got to take the under for center minutes, but I guess that's me kind of thinking John Henson might lose some minutes and maybe there's a Greg Monroe trade that opens some things up. Yeah, it's interesting because if Monroe is traded and there's no center coming back, then I think Thon absolutely will get some minutes at center. If there isn't a Greg Monroe trade, then you know yeah. how <laughs> this is going to yeah. have to. It's just, it's just tough to see to see minutes there. Tough to see minutes for Henson, let alone Thon. Um, I think Thon as a rookie will be. I think he'll be probably low efficiency because I feel like he won't necessarily have. I think he'll struggle inside the arc. I think he won't. I don't think he'll shoot a high percentage outside the arc. And I think he'll be maybe too willing to shoot jump shots. I think he kind of may be kind of like J.O.B. in the sense that he'll shoot a lot of jump shots. Um, I hope he'll stretch out to three-point line, unlike J.O.B. Um, I hope he'll make more layups than J.O.B., but I think he's also, <laughs> Thon's a guy who, <laughs> Thon's a guy who, uh, you know, doesn't really have like refined touch at this point, kind of on in between shots and things like that. So um, I could see him, you know, not shooting a high percentage from the field. But I think he'll probably be an okay rebounder just because of his effort, maybe compensating for his lack of strength. And you know, hopefully he can be kind of an active offensive rebounder guy and um, you know pick up some some blocks and things like that. I think I think probably the area where we'll be most impressed is in his ability to to you know show and recover. Um, on ball screens and you know just sort of cover ground defensively and maybe come up with some some weak side shot blocks or get switches on the perimeter and and be able to to stick with guys because I think that's certainly one of the things I was impressed in Vegas you know he didn't get fouls on the perimeter um, all his fouls were kind of like handsy stuff around the basket where you know he a lot of times he got got himself into trouble so anyway we'll be interested to see hopefully we see signs of you know good things to come from Thon. Um, so I don't. I, guess, I don't know if we effectively got the Thon hype going there. We really should have hyped him up some more to get yeah, re- I mean, get I'm, a real I'm, fervor I'm ex- going here at BrewHoop.com. For I'm excited uh, to see him. I, I think preseason will be great because you know I think he'll definitely get a chance to to show us sort of what he might look like, especially with other NBA players um, in, in preseason. And you know, um, sometimes preseason is a launching pad, like it was for Giannis to, to be surprisingly good as a rookie. Um, other times, you know, Rashad Vaughn a year ago in preseason for the first couple of weeks was the Bucks best player practically. And then, uh, yeah, other things happened. Um, last but not least, we have all these centers. Will any of these centers and, and I'm not including Thon maker, but will any of the three main centers, will any of them or should any of them, see minutes at power forward i have maybe i'll start off with a couple stats uh john henson and miles Plumley played 171 minutes together which i'm almost shocked that it was that many but kid seemed like 
insistent on trying to get Henson on the floor after uh, he had been hurt last spring, and the only way to do that was really with Plumlee. So 171 minutes, 98.1 points per 100 scored, which is very bad, 98.0 points allowed per 100, which is very good. So they did very well uh, in terms of overall defense and uh, 54% of total rebounds available grabbed. So they basically were were pretty good defensively rebounding, pretty good offensively rebounding overall, uh, as you might expect of a team with a lot of size up front. They, they rebounded very well. That said, I have not much desire to see John Henson and Miles Plumlee playing together going forward. And if you're wondering about uh, John Henson and uh, Greg Monroe, uh, they scored 104 points per 100 together and they allowed 119 points per 100 together in 47 minutes. So maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe not, uh, not do that. Um, but I, I have no desire to see the two big lineups. Uh, I think there are enough power forwards around to, uh, to, to play those guys rather than try to, you know, square peg round hole it with, uh, with one of those other big men. Yeah, I don't like two big lineups, and I guess one thing that I've enjoyed during Jason Kidd's tenure is his general dislike of two big lineups. I know I asked him when Henson was coming back if he was going to try any, and he was like, no, we don't really do that, and obviously that was a lie because they did end up doing it, uh, but for the most part, like, um, other than that situation, he never uses two big lineups, so... I, I'm pretty happy to say that I don't think I'm going to see them. I don't think I should see them. Uh, and maybe we could, but I certainly doubt it. So so that makes me happy. And I think it also makes me happy that we're going to get to talk about centers in our next podcast. Because I, I think this is it for Power Forwards. Um, for Frank Madden, this has been Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details.